0: Okay. Uh hello, this is Dr. Ravi Chandra and I'm here today with uh, Dr. Satsuki Ina. Uh, uh Satsuki Ina and um she uh, is a uh, a very uh well-known and uh, recognized uh, uh, person uh especially in the area of uh Japanese American psychology and uh, post-internment and uh and an activist in the uh, group uh, Tsuru for Solidarity. So um, first of all, I, perhaps you uh, could introduce yourself and tell me, tell us a little bit more about what you've done. Um.
1: Thank you, Chandra, very much, uh, Ravi. I yeah. appreciate yeah. Uh, the invitation to be with you today. Um, so I, I guess I um, the seed of all this current work has to do with the fact that I was born in the Tule Lake Segregation Center, which was a maximum security prison for Japanese Americans during World War II. Um, my parents um, my parents were dissidents and were very opposed to the unconstitutional incarceration that they suffered for four and a half years. And so they were moved from the uh, other uh, detention camps and uh to the maximum security prison. So I like to tell people I was born doing time. Mm. Um feel like it's been uh kind of lifetime work to uncover what happened first to me personally and my family and uh and then uh learn more about what happened to our community as a result of the trauma of uh, uh, long-term incarceration, and then it has brought me to today to uh, recognize that uh, the that history is repeating itself, and uh, this unalterable recognizing repeated pattern uh, as part of American history of. Uh, mass removal, separation of families, uh, detention, um, of many communities of color over American history. So, uh, the current immigration policies that have targeted, uh, people seeking asylum in this country and criminalizing them has awakened, um, you know, kind of a roaring lion, uh, not just in myself, but in, uh, our Japanese American community who can see, uh, how uh, the rhetoric of this current administration, the um, policies that have been implemented have been based in racism and economic benefit uh, once again. And so I'm now a part of a group called Tsuru for Solidarity. And <clears throat> Tsuru is uh, the Japanese folded paper crane that represents compassion and peace. And uh, the solidarity part reflects our investment in working across communities to join together to have a voice of unity and protest uh, against the targeting of uh, innocent people who are being uh, incarcerated um, uh, for seeking asylum in this country.
0: Right, and and uh, so thank you so much for this work, and and this is such a a wonderful organization. And I know uh, I was planning to go on uh, June uh, the first weekend in June uh, to the March on Washington with with uh, Tsuru for Solidarity, but of course because of coronavirus that has been canceled, um uh, and postponed for now. Um. So, but but I do know that you're also, uh, uh, you know, this this current uh, infectious crisis is also. Uh, uh, caused you to um, uh, focus your work uh, on on that aspect uh, of internment. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that as well.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing you at the National Pilgrimage to Close the Camps when we hold our protest action uh, hopefully in the spring of 2021.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yes.
1: Um. So with the COVID-19 spread, uh, it it brought to mind for many of us the epidemics that occurred while we were incarcerated as children, Mm. uh, living in confinement uh, with communal bathrooms and mess hall uh, dining and uh, very poor sanitation standards and actually very resonant is uh, the lack of soap Mm. and lack of medical care. that led to uh, various epidemics in the different camps, and um, my it reminded me of uh, you know the children at Tule Lake who were uh, uh, suffered quarantine. My brother and I, my brother got chicken pox first, um, and just as and we were quarantined all together. And once he recovered, then I. Contracted it. So my mother, my brother, and I uh, were quarantined for almost three months uh, inside of these uh, barracks. And um, it uh, brought to mind the dangers today of the detention facilities, where unsanitary conditions, lack of running water for each person, and uh, access to soap. Uh, And um, I inquired about um, what it would take for us to bring. Uh, deliver uh, hand sanitizers to uh, local detention facilities. And I was told uh, by an ACLU attorney that um, they already have a backlog of hand sanitizers, but they don't dispense it because they they say it's a risk that someone may drink it.
0: Oh. <laughs> Which I,
1: I find... Uh, right. You know, more excuse of de- depriving people... Of trying to keep themselves safe, so uh, we are mobilizing to uh, share the stories of Japanese Americans who were incarcerated and caught up in epidemics in the different camps as a way of uh, emphasizing the risk that people who are in detention today are are uh, suffering.
0: Well, yeah, infectious disease is obviously uh, one obvious way that we all need compassion and care and it exposes our vulnerability and people who are detained and incarcerated, uh, in prisons and and also, uh, in these facilities are, are, uh, definitely more vulnerable. So, so we, we do, and I'm sure we're going to be hearing about problems for years. And I actually just heard a report that the Trump administration pulled funding for, uh, for flu vaccines, uh, for, uh, for migrants, um, uh, you know which had been happening on a small level at least uh for the last few years but um so so this is um you know this is uh, uh and of course uh this compassion and care and understanding of the needs of vulnerable people is one thing that uh that certainly gets wiped out if you have uh, a a racist uh narcissistic kind of president um so uh an administration um so um, so yeah, that's something I've been thinking about as a psychiatrist: is that uh, that uh, that the pandemic uh, really? I mean, its root causes are uh, are narcissism and racism that we uh, we've seen arise uh, for the last three years. So I mean, and, and that brings me to to of course you know think uh, we, the other crisis, uh, World War II. Uh, understandable fear, but uh, again, uh, you had uh, fear displaced. Uh, onto Japanese Americans. so uh, so maybe you can think about what how you've been kind of carrying that uh, uh, that resonance and unfortunately that repetition of history.
1: Well, you know what what came to mind for me was uh, Murray Bowen's work on um, social anxiety and uh, uh, really struck uh, me when I was uh, researching the Japanese American experience, where he described, That when there is widespread social anxiety, uh, that uh, a whole community, society of people will look to bind their anxiety by finding a scapegoat. Mm. And that is exactly what happened during World War II. Certainly, people were frightened after the bombing of Pearl Harbor and the immediate scapegoat uh, that was the most uh, vulnerable uh, and um, with a lack of leadership to uh, redirect that uh, um effort to scapegoat uh you know we ended up uh, in violation of um you know our constitutional rights uh, american citizens included um being incarcerated for for several years so today it feels like again um this pandemic has uh stirred fear and in people across the globe. And uh, our president that uses language like uh, insisting on uh, using the word Chinese virus instead Mm -hmm. of the coronavirus, who uh, makes jokes um, with his staffer who says uh, it's the Kung flu, um, Mm -hmm. has resulted in uh, um, people violently attacking uh, physically and verbally uh, uh, people of Asian ancestry. Uh, and, of course, m- many people can't distinguish whether you're Chinese or Japanese, or. but if you look anything like the enemy uh, today, uh, he's putting the, the Asian face on the coronavirus and leading to dangerous circumstances for people who, who look like me
0: right right absolutely and we've probably both heard uh stories about this um uh but yeah and, and uh you know he's he's walked back those comments a little bit but he hasn't really acknowledged how damaging and dangerous uh, those are um uh, and it's just you know combined with his uh, placing the country on a war footing and having very aggressive language, I think it it generates even more of that that uh, that social anxiety and the tendency to blame. Um, so I, I'm really worried that uh, that there may be uh, incidents of more incidents of violence. Um, yeah, but have you um, have you also uh, heard about uh, coronavirus cases in the uh, migrant detention? System, uh, so far,
1: uh, it's been very difficult to get any information. Of mm-hmm. course, uh, it's not likely that they will, you know, make an announcement about uh, the situation. the the what what we learned yesterday in talking to people who have had direct contact with people inside is that it's business as usual. That they're they're uh, not taking any kind of extraordinary measures to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard just this morning that uh, the Tacoma Northwest Detention Facility has been quietly releasing more numbers of people than uh, than at their normal rate. Uh, so um, the fact that uh, business as usual means that there's no extraordinary efforts being taken, but also uh, there may be, without reporting it, um uh, efforts to start releasing people. And that's, uh, Tsuda for Solidarity has joined with Detention Watch Network to make a national call for the detention facilities to be emptied out. Mm-hmm. Those uh, detention concentration camps should be closed down. Uh, there are def- definitely alternatives for people to be uh, uh, housed and sheltered uh, during this uh, epidemic and while they're awaiting. Uh, decisions by the court uh, about whether they qualify for asylum or
0: not. Um, Okay. 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 Um, And, you know, I think uh, probably what I've seen most often uh, as kind of a reflexive, conservative uh, or right-wing response when I raise the issue of migrant detention is Obama did it too, or, you know, and so what's your, what's your sense of how things really changed uh, from the Obama to the Trump administration for those who don't know
1: well I think uh, uh, the the difference is the the extreme criminalization of the of the asylum seekers treating and viewing them uh, as if they are a real threat to our national security where I think Obama was trying to uh, solve the problem and one of the Measures that was available was to set up these detention facilities, but uh, they were the intent was to close those large detention facilities down. Uh, one of the biggest changes is that um, uh, Trump is now uh, making funds, millions and millions of dollars, available to uh, continue uh, these uh, private prison industrial complexes, where private private organizations are being paid, with your tax dollar, uh, new detention facilities to hold more and more mothers and children, uh, individuals uh, in detention. So it has now become a major profit making.
0: Whoops, I'm sorry, you just dropped out the there. Obama. Oh, could you just repeat that? You just dropped out for a moment
1: that uh, one of the major differences is uh that uh today the the profiteering the, the that is being made possible by mass incarceration uh, wasn't part of the obama administration's uh, problem-solving effort certainly you know i i don't agree that mass incarceration of any kind is uh, a humanitarian uh but it has uh it has just uh Multiplied in terms of its uh, uh, mass uh, corporate uh, business profiteering um, motive uh, that is fed and and supported by the Trump administration. Mm.
0: Mm. And uh, you know this this act of criminalization, of course, started in uh, June twenty. Well, didn't start, but it, it certainly was amplified in June 2015 uh, when Trump rode down the escalator and and called Mexican uh, migrants uh, uh, criminals and rapists and so forth. So so that's uh, that's been a horrible rhetorical device, which has been turned into action and. You know, again, I'm struck by uh, the uh, the parallels with um, with uh, World War II, and um, uh, and I, I first learned of your work um, through uh, the, uh, children of the children 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 of the camps, uh, wonderful documentary. I hope everybody can uh, watch a stream. It's available on Canopy and, and uh, uh, perhaps other streaming platforms as well. But um, but the effects of uh, that kind of dehumanization. And uh, and targeting and blaming and shaming and all of that, um, uh, maybe you can talk about the the, the psychological effects um, that you have seen, uh, you know, over decades um, uh, in the Japanese American community, and perhaps uh, you know think about uh, you know what kind of effects we're leaving behind on the children, uh, especially, uh, but all all people who are uh, who are treated this way. Yeah,
1: Yeah. the the first part of what you said I'd I'd like to comment on, that um, uh, Trump's use of uh, descriptors of rapists and uh, criminals is very resonant um, for us because um, we're charged with being without any evidence or any basis as being spies and saboteurs. And uh, using that kind of language, again, uh, gives permission uh, and, and it provides kind of widespread categorization of people that does dehumanize them. And um, as a result of the dehumanization, the criminalization, I think that uh, target, targeted victims uh, internalize, uh, especially particularly when you're young. Uh, internalize that message that something is flawed about them, something is dark and evil about them. Uh, I um, actually went into uh, the detention facilities in South Texas in 2015 uh, at the request of a young Japanese-American ACLU attorney. Mm -hmm. And um, when I went in there, I saw the look on the children's faces uh, Mm -hmm. that reminded me of a photo of myself when I was, uh, held in the Thule Lake Center, mm-hmm. kind of vacant, um, withdrawn, sad expression, um, mm-hmm. stoic, uh, in many ways. And, um, was very disturbing. Uh, in that visiting room where I, I went undercover as a, um, religious visitor, uh, which I don't think they even allow now. I'm not sure, but, um, There was an area, a whole corner, that was available for children to play. There was a bright carpet with alphabet letters on it and a bunch of toys, uh, but not a single child was there. They were all clinging to their mothers. Uh, So as a therapist with Japanese-Americans who were victims of the concentration camps during World War II, um, I, I am so disturbed by what is being done to these children today. That um, that fracturing of our sense of self, the uh, shame and the humiliation that gets internalized, um, and then acted out in ways that um, perpetuate, uh, you know, negative consequences for people. I, I, I feel that the Japanese Americans were categorized as a model minority, and in that categorization was the trauma effect. That we were so we grew up so fearful of making a mistake or of offending anybody. The fear that any random uh, misstep could lead to our uh, loss of freedom again. Mm. That somehow we were inferior. Uh, that we didn't deserve a, a place at the table, and shame for uh, and self hatred. You know how 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 I looked when I when I looked in the mirror and um and I think about these children today and I I. You know, I heard mothers tell me in, in during these visits how their children were starting to act out and how the anger was directed at the mother. Mm-hmm. So I've seen several mothers and children. Mm-hmm. And um, and I could understand how the children would feel so angry uh, and not be able to direct it at anybody except the person that was supposed to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the promise of uh, the grueling journey across country and, and to the border Uh, with the promise and hope that when we get there, everything will be okay. Uh, When in fact, you know, they were shackled and dragged and put into these cement rooms with no, no blankets or um, comfort and then incarcerated indefinitely. Mm -hmm. And the uh, indefinite detention, you know, as you know, is a form of torture and was something that we experienced too. We never knew Mm -hmm. how long we were going to be held when what, it would take for us to be released. Uh, I think these children are um, being hurt so deeply. Uh, mm-hmm. And how, how to repair that is what I think about in terms of generations of trauma being transmitted.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be a, a long uh, way out of this. Um, and certainly when we think about n- a narcissist on an individual level, uh, with a lack of em- empathy and compassion, uh, we think of how we feel in their presence. It's we don't feel like our our thoughts, our our needs, our feelings are important, right? We're, we're not even seen. We're invisible. And I've heard so many comments on Twitter uh, uh, and with my friends of you know as Asian Americans, you know it, it, it's like you're, you're you're trying to convince someone of your humanity, that you exist. Right. Um, as a, a a person worthy of value. Um, and, and there's, you know, invisibilization or even worse, this disapproval. And It gets internalized, and it sounds like that's what was internalized for Japanese-Americans, like this vigilant self-policing, not willing to, uh, or being careful about what's said and so forth, and, and uh, blaming oneself. Um, is that accurate? I mean, that happens on an individual level. Um, but... Definitely.
1: And, and I think, um, you know, one, one way it manifests over time is in my generation of people who were children incarcerated, um, you know, we lost a lot of our creative potential, our artistic skills, because uh, we were sidelined to uh, be highly educated, to get jobs that gave us credibility, that provided security for our parents and um, and this is all kind of unconsciously uh, communicated and, and acted out, but uh, and there's nothing wrong with that except that many people who could have been artists and musicians and performers um, uh, had to give that up without a second thought uh, in order to be on the right track. That would prove that they were that they were worthy.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And luckily there's been a great flowering of, uh, Japanese American creativity and Asian American creativity recently. So, you know, so there is hope, uh, after all this, but, um, but yeah, I mean, um, uh, yeah, so I think, uh, we've, we, we saw the warning signs for this from the get-go, uh, four five years ago. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, uh, certainly a change in political leadership uh, would really uh, go a long way towards alleviating this um uh, you know what um, uh, you know one thing that I've been thinking about is like could we have a test for you have to meet a basic level of compassion or empathy before you can <laughs> hold this high office or maybe just even you have to pass the test that a majority of of voters say people of color voters have to agree that you're not racist. you know I mean, you know it's just um uh, incredible that this kind of person could become popular. I mean, what does that how does that resonate for you that that some almost fifty percent of the population could resonate with that and agree with that or just give it a buy and say it's not important to them how does that how does that make you feel as a uh, a japanese american uh and, and uh, uh woman of color in this country um,
1: it's uh alarming i mean it's uh, frightening and and uh of course you know in the beginning it was kind of unbelievable that and and uh I feel like I don't really understand it you know i I surround myself with people who are like myself in terms of Mm. uh, uh, how I view the world and what a just society is about. Uh, But when I hear Trump speak or um, others who are Trump followers who I don't spend too much time with, I I feel like uh, I I haven't really grasped what their experience is that would lead to... uh, because to me it's it it feels like kind of a degradation of society mm. that there's an element that um is uh un un I don't know what the word is un developed or un undereducated I I'm not sure but there there's some darkness that uh I uh have turned away from and in doing that, haven't made myself safe from it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise I would have yeah. been involved in this protesting and dissidence and uh, 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 activism, you know, decades ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're, we're kind of in our own bubble. And that's why I'm trying to do more online to kind of reach people. Uh, Cause I, you know, I, I, my mom lived in a small town in in rural Georgia. People are very nice. She said you could have a problem in the middle of the night and somebody would help you. Yet 85% of that town voted for Donald Trump. You know, so I I kind of have some hope that these aren't, you know, kind of bad people, but, but racism is clearly not as important an issue for them uh, in the way it is for us. I mean, you know... Uh so so I, I don't know. So if you were to talk to somebody in my mom's rural town in in northern Georgia, uh you know, a white person who lives around predominantly white and maybe some black people as well, um what would you say to them to to help them understand the gravity of this moment uh regarding people uh who are being detained in in migrant detention? Well <laughs>
1: It's a great question because I, I rarely picture myself face to face with that situation. Yeah, uh, I I feel like um, I'd want to find the common ground with them about mm-hmm. what is good for society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have met and have uh, interacted, of course, with people who are who are deeply racist who grew up generations. Uh, believing that white superiority was the the best way of life, and uh, very difficult to change their minds. Um, I think, I think, not everybody who is a white supremacist is conscious of that white supremacist value system, uh, but in not recognizing it, uh, they they are dangerous. Uh, um, and so my interaction with somebody like that would be to talk about. You know, when you were growing up, what were you taught to believe about people of color? Uh, what are some significant memories? I'd want to know how that got cultivated in them. Uh, mm. And uh, from that place, talk about not the evil necessarily in them, but, but what limits their view of the world when they have this basic uh, narrow perspective.
0: Did did you have any resistance? Meet any resistance amongst uh, your therapist community when you started uh, focusing on issues of Japanese Americans uh, and racism and and the legacy of uh, the camps and so forth? Um,
1: uh, I don't think resistance. Mm-hmm. I think uh, in the beginning, more kind of benign neglect okay. was kind of like okay, not not of significance, not mm. of value, uh, maybe not not of value, but um, it, it didn't seem like a very important issue for people. It um, mm.
0: wasn't at the center of their concern. No. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I
1: think for a long mm-hmm. time, Ravi, uh, nobody used the word trauma mm. for Japanese-American incarceration. Mm. You know, it was something that historically happened and it was too bad. Uh, but from a psychological point of view, nobody was really examining Uh, the issue of uh, intergenerational trauma or that uh, uh, indefinite detention was a form of psychological torture Mm. um, that mass detention, the way that, you know, our experience was portrayed by the government uh, really distorted the reality of our experience that we Mm. were in, uh, you know, we were evacuated and placed in relocation centers sounds so benign uh, when in fact, you know, we were arrested, we were forcefully removed and put into concentration camps, prison camps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I think generally uh, focusing on the Japanese American experience was pretty non-threatening to most people, uh, and probably not of much importance to to people in my profession.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's that's kind of uh, uh, what's troubling is that even in a time not of crisis it was hard for some people to really understand the magnitude of trauma, of past trauma. And I found in my own personal life, I mean, I, uh, that, that even in a time of crisis, it's even harder uh, yes. sometimes to hear uh, these messages. Um, uh, I had a you know, minor experience of uh, putting my essay about, uh, my blog post about racism during COVID uh, on a listserv and about half a dozen psychiatrists were incensed that i would bring up this issue at this time you know it's like it's not important uh it's you know and 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 even worse kinds of comments um um so so it's just uh just it just it just demonstrated how far we have to go at uh you know it's like especially at times of crisis we should care about this kind of messaging and and framing and so forth um but uh yeah yeah um, but of course, you know, 90% of the psychiatrists who responded to a survey were supportive and said we should talk about it. But it seems like the most vocal people uh, were the ones who wanted to shut things down. So I think right. that's that's something that, um, especially online. I mean, uh, it's like uh, those. We have to kind of uh, 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 I don't know. Be wary. I, I'm I'm certainly more wary. Uh, about that listserv. But, um, but it's, it, it, again, uh, but uh, I just wanted to, to, uh, to again, thank you for your leadership uh, and uh, in, in keeping these uh, issues right at the forefront of our consciousness. And um, uh, it's so important. I mean, I think we, as therapists, we both wish that there'd be more psychological understanding as opposed to uh, blaming and scapegoating and so forth. So uh, I, I thank you uh, for, for your leadership. Uh, in that, um, uh, anything else you'd like to say? Um, uh, any other events planned for Tsuru for Solidarity uh, in the near term?
1: Yes, we we are uh, right now launching a social media campaign, uh, joining with Detention Watch Network, uh, uh, demanding that uh, these detention facilities be be shut down, and um, we're uh, on our uh, Facebook page for Tsuru for Solidarity. Uh, we are sharing stories of our own childhood and uh, experiences with epidemics in those prison camps, as a way of highlighting the the risk to people who are uh, living in confinement today. So, um, we're uh, we're going to stay active online. We're going to keep uh, raising uh, uncomfortable issues and um, demanding that uh, uh, that this administration. Um, Well, demanding that people hold this administration to a higher standard than it has been held to. Uh, So our work continues. And I'm really grateful for your interest, Ravi, and the work that you're doing also. Uh, And I feel like this is another one of these cross-community opportunities where we can find ways to work together to strengthen and and make our voices uh, more available to a broader population. So thank you.
0: Oh, thank you, uh, and, and uh, absolutely. I think uh, the Japanese American experience has been central to my uh, experience as an Asian American. So, mm-hmm. so thank you. And um, how how can people join the social media campaign?
1: Uh, if they go to uh, www our our website, uh, Sudo for Solidarity. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: also, you can go to Facebook slash backslash. Um, uh, Sudo for Solidarity, and you'll get to where the social media campaign is being held.
0: Great. Yes. All right. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Thanks, All right. Ravi. All right. Talk All right. to you again. All right.
0: Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: And that was uh Dr. Satsuki Ina, uh, and uh, we look forward to uh talking more to you uh, on the Pacific Heart Podcast. Thank you. This is Ravi Chandra.